Hello, good evening, and welcome to the latest episode of The Game Is About Glory, where we will look back on what happened a little earlier today at White Hart Lane. No Tottenham Hotspur Stadium here, thank you. Which ended Tottenham Hotspur 4, Burnley 0. I'm your host, THFC Steph, with a little bit of a jaunt in my voice, I may say. And before we get into it, we'd like to remind you to please make sure you're subscribed to The Game Is About Glory via your favourite pod platforms, and be sure to tell the word you love us with a five-star review. Now let's meet tonight's team, and I'll be asking each of them a question which we could all enjoy answering, I'm sure. Which film, or movie, should be remade by the Muppets, and in said film, who is the one actor that keeps their role amidst the movie Muppetry? Awesome, good evening, how are you? Good evening, good morning. Uh, Okay, I'm going to go with Pulp Fiction, and the actor which keeps his, uh, his place in the lineup is John Travolta, Vincent Vega. And there's a few reasons for that. I'd like to laugh at him dancing with Miss Piggy in the famous scene with Uma Thurman. And as for what's going on with Marcellus Wallace with a with a Muppet's head on him in the uh, in the scene with Zed, that's uh, that's one for the the creative juices to flow. Creative juices, indeed. Yes, <laughs> Ricky. Good evening, mate. How are you? Good evening, Steph. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, yes, and uh, show your cinematic flair, will you, and uh, and, and become the uh, producer of this great Muppet caper. Well, I will be honest. I did read this question around the wrong way at first. I thought it was like one Muppet into a film. But did you do that too? I yeah. did that as well, mate. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm oh, desperately about paddling but at the moment. Luckily, I've, I've clawed it back at the last minute. I've clawed it back at the last minute. And I've gone for 24-hour party people. Coogan keeps his role as, obviously, the Manchester music mogul Tony Wilson, and I think that would be fun. I think that's probably uh, bordering on a documentary at that point, isn't it? Um, I mean, if we have the rest of the if we have the rest of the, the Hacienda uh, in Muppet, given everything that was going on, you know, I mean, I think that everyone, I think they'd look great in there, the Muppets. Muppets. Yeah, I think they'd look brilliant. I, that's a yeah. great call. I, I, I vote for you to, to remake that film, actually. And Moby... Oh, OK. I'll get on with Moby, it this week. <laughs> please do. Moby, uh, obviously, um, you've... you've uh, hello, first of all. Hi, mate. How are you doing? You right? Yeah, been a while. Good. Nice to, ha- yeah, nice to have you back, mate. And we, you, yeah, thanks, you, mate. you interjected that you misread the question, too. However, you have corrected yourself, so... Yeah, I've, um, yeah. well, I was going to say, I, I kind of went the wrong way, because I think sometimes you just read what you, what you want to read, don't you? And I... I must admit, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, sat down with the uh, with the good wife watching the um, performance of Taron Edgerton in the Elton John story, Rocket Man, and I just couldn't help get away from that kind of nagging, niggling feeling that they'd miscast him, and the whole thing would have been better with Rolf the dog playing Elton. But um, but obviously that's wrong. So on the uh, off the cuff, I'm going to go for basically I'm going to tackle the Nakatomi Plaza. I'm going to leave Bruce Willis in as John McClane, and I'm going to wipe out Alan Rickman um, as Hans Gruber and his little team of uh, European terrorists and just replace them with a whole host of Muppets because I think the idea of the Muppets taking over the Nakatomi Plaza fighting Bruce Willis is quite an enduring image. So you've picked Paddington too in that case? Basically, yes, mate. <laughs> yes, excellent. I just wanted to confirm. Paddington 2 starring... Uh, pa- Paddington 2, Die Hard with a Vengeance. That's it. <laughs> Very good. Bear uh, Hard. Bear, bear Hard. There we go. Just to round it off, I am going to pick The Wolf of Wall Street. I'll let DiCaprio keep his role uh, simply because I think at that point uh, we would be going into full documentary status because I think everyone in that film behaved like a disgraceful Muppet. So there we are. 
Well, now we've sorted out the movie industry for a, a, a you know, far more improvement, uh, I believe. Let's go on to the much improved Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And, you know, this is going to be probably the most fun we've all had for some weeks discussing a performance. Ricky, let's yes. start with you and just, just, just give us your initial thoughts on the game. Let's start with a simple initial thoughts question on the 4-0 thrashing of Burnley. Well, two 4-0 wins in a week is just going to make most of us smile. So that's like, it feels like we're heading in the right direction the initial thoughts on the game was selection wise great to be able to start with Reggie and Aurier so I think everyone would say that they're you know probably our first choice they've become our first choice by you know either by default or by great performances which I think is probably the latter and also I just like to if you think in your mind's eye of Sun as a player and the same as Kane and the same as Bale and just to think those three play for our club up front is almost remarkable when you think about it you think of in the past and now Bale's coming you know coming to the party and he's showing his class it really it just makes you think we have got a chance here and whether that's the league cup final whether that's in Europa League or whether we can go on a run now and I know we have had defensive issues and a lot of has been made of that but a lot in front of that defense now is correct especially and of course if and if Reggie and Aurier play that makes that even more so I think you know that's kind of quite solid there but the initial thoughts the early goal was good because we don't know what Burnley's game plan was basically so that puts them immediately on the back foot it was an electric first 30 minutes we, we really took it to them it it looks like we're really comfortable in the um it looks like we're really comfortable playing in our own stadium again now which is quite good I, I think that's I think that's all excellent points uh, especially with the return of Reggie and Aurier and actually I'm going to go to you next awesome and I'm going to ask you if you can start your thoughts by focusing if you can on, on Davison Sanchez today because we've got a player here who has been knocked from pillory to post and you know in fairness today he was imperious would probably be an accurate thing. For the first time in a long time, I wasn't feeling completely nervous every time, uh, you know, we conceded a corner or we're on the on the, on the defending. Yeah, he, he won a lot of good balls in the air. He put in a lot of good tackles. His pace is important to us. I think he benefited from having a, a, better, a better back four. Happy to see him play as well as that. Very happy. Great. Moby, I'm going to hand you the golden ticket here. Four letters, B... A L E go. Oh, wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful. What can I say? The last two months have been pretty horrible. But to paraphrase Batman, the night is always darkest before the dawn. Uh, I don't want to go all Alex Ferguson there, confusing Gareth Bale with Christian Bale, as he famously did the first time around when we had Gareth. But no, I mean, you know, it's just been wonderful. We've we've had a really couple of tough months, Liverpool and Chelsea for me being particular low lights, just, you know, lack of ambition, lack of any game plan. But over the last couple of pods, you know, we've kind of, we've been looking for green shoots of recovery and just a few positive you know little outbreaks just to kind of hang our hat on and uh, to get excited about and we, we did see little bits you know Reggie starting to get fit Bale getting minutes Delhi doing something good you know Sanchez not not fucking things up just anything you know that we could kind of get excited about and uh, well this week's just been glorious it's been the fulcrum of all those things coming together and you know I'm not having any negativity about it only being Burnley or only being Wolfsburger Burnley are a constant pain in the arse for us they have been for years they're a tough team they're in the Prem you know on they deserve to be there so you know getting anything out of them is good so that's you know that's a really good point and I think I just want to draw a line now on all that 
horribleness that's gone around. You know, it really dragged me down. I think you guys probably saw it on our conversations off pod. I've been as miserable as sin with everything that was going on. And I just want to draw a line now. And I think to me, the pieces are in place for our end game. We know what the main plot lines are now. You know, we've got the Europa League. We're trying to sneak top four. We know we've got the uh, the League Cup final coming up. We know who our key performers, who the key players are going to be. And I just hope it's not a false dawn. But having Gareth coming back now, we've said for ages, you know, we need to get some get some minutes in his legs and you'll start to see that we've got a world-class player there. And I, I couldn't agree more with what Ricky says. We all got excited about it at the start of the season when Bell came back. And it, it's been like like Sting doing tantric sex, hasn't it? It's taken, you know, six months to get to a threat of a climax. But, you know, some of us have even ran out and spent 200 quid on branded shirts uh, with Gareth's name <laughs> on. So hopefully, you know, Steph, if you can at least start to see a little bit of return on that, I think we'll all be quite happy. So, yeah, yeah, very, very happy sat up here in the Midlands this evening. Proudly squeezed myself into it, actually, for this pod. Thankfully for the listening public, there's no visual for that image. But we should discuss uh, Lucas Moura next, I think. Uh, you know, he started in place of Delhi. To be fair, completely justified uh, decision in the end, because I think having been a frequent critic of Lucas Moura's for some time, uh, I felt today he had probably his best game for us, arguably since Man United in a way. So who wants to take this on? Who wants to talk about Lucas Moura's rather excellent uh, performance today? I'm ha- yeah, happy to chip in a little bit on that. I, I, I find him fascinating. I, I really do. He just goes from the sublime to the ridiculous. I, I'm not criticising. I, I actually do like having him in the team. I think you know the, the, he's one of the chaos brothers to, to Nick, Nick Ricky's naming convention from a few weeks ago. And he does give us something. He scored a beautiful goal midweek against Wolfsburg. Nice finish again today. And then on the other side of it, you know, I pointed out on our chat earlier, he did this amazing uh, run in the first half where somebody really tried to hold him back and he handed him off. Really nice, strong, firm handoff. Burst forward, carried the ball beautifully like 40, 50 yards forward at pace. Options both sides. Fell on his ass, trying to kick the ball. Completely missed it. And while sliding, managed to kind of just scuff it over to Sonny, I think, to keep the, keep the move somehow alive. And then 10 minutes later, was a really, really nice tidy goal again. So I think he's in there on merit. Uh, I was interested by the, the tactical move of playing him at number 10. Uh, very keen to know, is that because the guy's ahead of him, supposedly in that role, Delhi, Gio, uh, Lamella, you know, weren't fit enough to start. But I think he, do, he does bring something there and he does get he does get back and he does transition the ball forward really quickly. So I don't know if it's a long-term solution. It's maybe not as tidy and elegant as maybe we'd want, but there's definitely a uh, yeah, definitely a place for it at the moment, I think. And then the attacking pace that he's, he gives us there is, is superb. Uh, there was one break, uh, I think, for, for Bale's goal where in the second half where Kane sat deep and then you just had Son, Bale and Lucas just going like three sprinters. So no, I'm, I'm happy. I, I, I'm, I think that's a really, really good option to have up front. Yeah, I mean, Ricky, you'd have to admit that he's a fizzy, feisty little uh, pocket rocket, isn't he? He's, I mean, he brings that vibe and do you think that that's something that Jose wants in this Tottenham side? He maybe values oh, that ahead of many things? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's a work. He, he puts in all his effort. He puts in plenty of effort. He's always a live wire, as you say. He's busy. He's just a bit, his output's a bit random. 
if you know what I mean. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I agree with um, Moby. I think the more advanced he is, there are goals in Mora. And he, I mean, he scored today and he could have had another two easily. He was probably really disappointed with the other two shots he had or the, you know, the close chances he's had. But I think he's there on merit at the moment, pretty much so. Lamella could be as well. So it's a choice between those two. And maybe they're just swapping places or swapping games, coming in for different games, depending on then Delhi's availability and also La Celso getting fit again, really. So it'll be a bit of a bit of another conundrum for Mourinho when it comes to it. Awesome. Do you think he's done enough to keep his place for the coming run? I'm not I'm not 100% sure on that. I think his selection today was a bit of a drag of the uh, selectoral feat by Mourinho. He's kind of, he's bowing to public pressure or con- the fans' consensus with Bale. Delhi could easily have got a start today. So could Lamella. I thought Lamella against Wolfsburger was actually excellent. He, he's been good now for about three or four games in a row. So I, I was a little bit surprised to see more in there, but... One thing we've learned about Mourinho is he does he does have his uh, his habits and his favourites, and Moore has been one of those. And he's he's got a lot of games, but credit to him, he took his goal well today. That's two in two Premier League games, and I'm not saying he he should be starting in the next game, but only because Lamella and Delhi are really knocking on that door quite hard now. It's interesting with him because again, he's one of these players. I mean, I've I've called him PS5, and that's a nickname I have for him, but. I do just so want him to work because when I actually watch him like sprinting with the ball, he's incredibly exciting to watch and you just want it to end with something positive, not as uh, Moby pointed out, him tripping over his feet and just managing to get away with it. You want it to end with a brilliant piece of, uh, of skill or a great ball or whatever. So I find my, he's such a fizzy bloke to watch that I, I want him to work. And so games like today actually really excite me with him. It's like, ah, oh, maybe maybe we are going to see him work. And I do think he works well in that number 10. I mean, he, he did, we should never forget the job he did during the Champions League run where he was fizzing and popping around that centre point. At one, at one point, he was the only option we felt, any of us felt we had when Harry Kane was out. So I, I, I was personally really excited to both be able to stop waffling on about P. PS5 for once and, and actually recognise what was a, a, a genuinely excellent contribution today and, 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 and hope that it, it, it ushers in more of the same and, and again that brings me back to Davinson Sanchez and, and I think we should go back to him one more time as part of uh, that centre-back partnership with Toby. Do we feel that this is the centre-back partnership for the next for, for, that we should be hinging our hat on? Given look, given that we couldn't defend, you know, we, we can't defend. There's, there's not a metaphor I can come up with that's funnier than our ability not to defend at this point so given that is this the centre-half pairing that we stick with given today's performance you got it it's, it's a clean sheet and we've been crying out for one of those in the league it's it, it's crazy to chop and change but that's what that's what Mourinho seems to like to do I mean I get that there needs to be rotation we've got a hell of a lot of games coming up in March especially when you factor in the international games it's it, it's inevitable that we're still going to need to rotate I just think playing playing dire against the Wolfburgers of this world is more sensible than your Arsenal's away um, but yeah we, we look solid today for the first time in a long time I was going to say I don't want to take anything away from Davison today because he was superb his air game today was absolutely brilliant but I would put a little bit of context in the sense that Woods and Ashley Barnes weren't playing today and the other two guys maybe didn't give him as much grief as they would have done I don't but I mean I'm, that does sound like I'm you know but Sanchez no um, it's a very good point because those, those, those are two absolute hooligans up front when they mm. play and that's no disrespect to them they're very good at what they do actually I think Chris Wood actually at one point would have been a really great backup forward for us I felt it would have been a really good squad forward for us he's he's a highly underrated player Ashley Barnes you can keep I think he's a 
think he's a foul and odious and dirty creep. But your point is very well made. Mm. Having said that, we did handle everything. And, and Davinson, mm. Davinson seemed to be really fighting. I mean, one thing you've got to give this kid, he does not give up. He throws himself into everything, regardless of the criticism. Yeah, I was, I was delighted for him, to be honest, because he has had pelters. And we were saying against Everton, it was great to see him score two goals, but then he dropped a couple of howlers as well. So it kind of took the attention off the good stuff that he had done. But this partnership has got everything. If we can cut the gaffs out and just solidify it, and I think as Milo's been beating the drum for, for weeks now about you know not swapping and rotating your centre halves every you know, every 45 minutes you are going to get some solidity there so you know you've got the experience of Toby on one side he's he is comfortable on the left he's a good defender he's still hitting his pings from there which is good to see and then you know Sanchez is a brute he's fast I mean, we pay 42 million quid for him so I really want to get a return on that as well so I really think yeah if we, if we can just sort of settle those two down and then yeah you know your option of Dyer and Rodon and you know pulling Tanganga back over into centre-back that gives us some really good options then because obviously we've got some easier Europa games coming up as well you know which we could use them for yeah I know I know Steph you've talked about um front foot playing on the front foot attacking wise but I thought Sanchez was front foot defending today he really was going for it and gilling up to everything um but as regards to partnerships I think it's quite hard on the defence because it seems like a lot of blame for has almost been rightly focused on mistakes and the defence getting the blame for a lot of it. But what you all also have to understand is that the defence probably hear all that and that does put a lot of pressure on them. They're thinking they're like, you know, they're at fault for the team not functioning properly. So they have to take that on board every day. And just to get, I mean, it's going to help with Aurier and Reggie playing as long as they stay fit. But I think if we can get some confidence going into defence, it might just be enough with the players that are in front of them to kind of like carry us somewhere, hopefully. Hopefully this season. Yeah, I mean, look, I I agree. And first first of all, I think we need to repeat something we've said often uh, in the past, that is we are playing without a left-sided centre-half. And so anyone who steps in on the left side of centre-half is on a hiding to nothing, especially when, you know, we we, we very often don't have a fit proper left back so you know your whole left side is 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 crippled really in that sense so not of respect to any of our centre halves you take on that left hand side because it is not easy and to the point of uh, of Reggie and Aurier let's let's all agree that you know they make a massive difference to our game I mean I've always been aware of it but even I was uh, forced to recognise it tenfold today you know it makes such a difference if you want to play front foot football to have these guys fit and raring to go right I mean it really does one thing I liked about today's game was the fact that we had a referee who was almost anonymous. Um, That's a great point. He he's not always the best. What's his name? Kevin Friend, but he's mm. he's far from one of the bad ones. Just makes a nice change, doesn't it? Having I mean, a game where it's not one of those guys in black, you know, taking the uh, stealing the limelight. He um, he just he let it flow well. It never got nasty. I barely remember there being a yellow card. I know it's easy to say all this when you win four 0 but yeah, it just just makes a nice change. I want to ask. A quickly, a question about Nick Pope, the Burnley goalkeeper, who, uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, kerfuffle about Hugo recently, and uh, Nick Pope's name has come up. Any thoughts on his performance today? Would anyone be happy to see him in goal for us next season if Hugo goes to Paris? It's hard to judge a keeper when he's just let in uh, four goals, but if you'd have asked me what I thought of Nick Pope any time over the last couple of years, I'd have said, yeah, he's a, he's a very good goalkeeper. He he did show some amazing saves today. I mean, I think Kane hit one from about 25 yards that was moving crazy amount in the air. That, that was a brilliant save. And I think he made one fairly soon after that from Sun. He is a good keeper. Whether he's the, the answer to the massive question of who replaces Hugo, I'm not, not 100% sure, but I think Pope is an excellent Premier League keeper. I think he's got the right pedigree for us. I mean, when he was at Burnley, 
Burnley a couple of seasons ago, he got good experience keeping Joe Hart out of the first team. And I think that's an important thing for any goalkeeper that comes in, play for Spurs. We do not want them letting Joe Hart get in between the sticks. No, I'll be quite happy with him. I think he's 29 though. So yet again, we'll be buying you know a player supposedly right on their peak with very little resale value. I think the lad at Man United is the one that everyone's coveting. I think he's 24. Is it Henderson? Yeah, I think if De Gea continues dropping a, a few gaffes, that, that changeover might happen soon. But that would be the one I'd love to try and try and pick up. Any thoughts, Ricky? Or No, not really. Ricky doesn't give a shit about <laughs> goalkeepers, does he? He's just no, sat no, there. No, no, it wasn't just, that. Just move just, on. Nothing goalkeepers, today. I don't care. <laughs> Nothing in today's game would make me think, oh, I want to buy him and that. And to be honest, I'm not really, I'm not watching Burnley that often. So I'll tell you what, he didn't move for uh, Bale's second, our fourth goal. He did not move for that. But that's not, that's no fault to him. That's just the fact that Bale put that in the corner. I'm going to infuriate some people who are listening, I'm sure, and say that I really don't know if I want an English goalkeeper, to be honest. I think we should be looking afar and I think we should be looking for, you know, we should be looking for a, a quite brilliant international goalie that doubtless lives out there. I'm not convinced by Nick Pope. I think he's just, a, a good name that people throw around but I don't see anything particularly commanding about him back there that makes me think he's a goalkeeper for a top four club I'm, I, he's, I'm sure he's better in goal than I am I mean that's for sure but I, I, I no I wouldn't I'd actually rather I mean in fact it was, if it was Pope or Loris for another year it's got to be Hugo every time until we can find the star out there and our sc- scouting department gets going so just just before we go to the closing thoughts on this 4-0 victory against Burnley, um, you know, I like to want to get into one of my favourite sections of the pod, uh, my love of statistics, um, which I'm sure you is becoming legendary at this point. Understanding as I am week by week the power of XG, I can tell you that Tottenham Hotspur's 2.36 XG rating for today's game versus Burnley's 0.6 is, is marvellous. Uh, we have 58% possession, 16 shots, 7 on target. Three corners, only six fouls, which actually I think is a very significant statistic. Uh, not giving away cheap fouls and cheap possession, we didn't. Uh, none of that happened really today. And it's been a, it's you know, it's been an interesting week. We've gained three points on Leicester and West Ham, two points on Chelsea and Man United. Uh, Liverpool were two 0 up as we were recording, and uh, you know, probably won, but they may not be who we're going for in that fourth, fourth, yeah, fourth place race. Uh, we're six points off West Ham in fourth, the game in hand. Everton are one place and a point ahead of us and have two games in hand on West Ham. And without getting into too many more mathematical equations, what it boils down to is that if we want to go for it and we can have an error-free run and Gareth keeps on hitting it, he may yet get us into the top four by the end of the season. All of that in mind, add that to 4-0 to Burnley today. Closing thoughts, one positive, one negative. I'm going to go to awesome first. 30 seconds starting okay it's a clean sheet and the dream that some insist is still alive i've got my doubts of top four is uh just about intact negatives a hard one to be honest we came through the game with no injuries everyone looked good is this a first are there no negatives i'm struggling excellent let's leave it there why find one ricky me um, positive is watching bale speed into that right hand channel of the penalty area cutting back and then just bury it in that far corner. It's like shelling peas for him. It just looks looks it looks like the easiest thing in the world. And that's it's a beautiful thing to watch. Negatives, yeah. I mean, this is probably quite a big negative. Is we're all kind of happy today, and we've had two four nil wins this week. But all the other wins we've had have never really then gone on to create momentum. If you saw I me mean, when we beat Leeds, when we beat Arsenal, when we whatever, it's it's never really led to anything. So I'm just, I mean, that's a negative. And all I can do is cross my fingers and hope that 
isn't happening this time round. Yeah, I think I think we're better now though, Ricky. I think we've been through the tough times. I think those the Leeds game was just uh, you know we still didn't look that amazing in that game anyway. I think it was just that Leeds were piling forward and leaving us loads of gaps. I think this felt a little bit more a little bit more real in a way. And I think we've done the hard yards to kind of get there. So sorry to swing it around. My, yeah, my positives, it's got to be the sort of the formation, the attacking intent, the, the the personnel that he picked. He picked an attacking team with attacking players and he could let them attack. And that to me is just a watershed moment. It's what I've been dreaming of this year, you know, this season. So, uh, you know, attacking fullbacks so the big three up front, uh, even daddy coming in and sitting behind. I mean, that was, it was, a fo- it was my football manager formation. So I'm happy. Uh, negatives, I'm being really churlish. I haven't really got one, but the only thing I'd say is if I had to think back, we're still quite open, I think. We still haven't quite kind of got it fine-tuned yet. But as I say, that's the first game we've really played that team, that attacking. I think that's got to come yet. So we we did, you know, we didn't have that dominance in midfield that you might have seen in a Pochettino pomp kind of side when you had Dembele and Wanyama and Eriksen just absolutely throttling the opposition midfield. But hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm complaining about something that isn't an issue. So forget it. No negatives. Brilliant. Carry on. More of the same, please, Jose. And I'm sorry about the Portuguese Nosferatu thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to close off this section by saying the positive for me, just again, like everybody else, it's just seeing Gareth Bale really starting to hit his stride. And it just, I think it's that extra ingredient that you get with a four times Champions League winning world-class footballer that just connects all your other world-class footballers and just makes the symphony sound really, really beautiful. Uh, and actually, the, the biggest negative I found today was, um, there were a couple actually, uh, I have to share with the readers once again that you know we have a quite fierce uh, chat thread in our, as, as these games go because we, we do like to make notes. And at one point in a particularly uh, ferocious tactical discussion with Milo, I found that I had uh, sent him a poo emoji uh, with the uh, with my with my fat thumb and I was absolutely horrified that Milo thought I was sending him a poo emoji and that was a real tactical error on my part to not keep my thumb away from the poo emoji in you know in in execution of a, of such an important tactical discussion and the other thing is we must note that poor old Luton uh, today has suffered the uh, the enigmy the enigmy I should say that word of being accused by his missus of putting bogeys all over the side of his sofa which is quite an accusation to level at anyone and so uh, Luton you have our sympathy uh, for that and we hope that you came through unscathed this afternoon Tottenham Hotspur certainly did with that fantastic 4-0 win against Burnley to be honest we don't know that Luton's not guilty blamed his kids hasn't he but there's no evidence of that Ted Cruz and blaming the kids but it could easily be Luton so let's let's, let's just wait until this one plays out I suppose we should allow bogey gate to carry on uh, into into the Equally, do we believe that Steph actually didn't really mean to send that big steaming turd to Milo by way of appraisal of his tactical views? Because <laughs> when I saw it, I thought, OK, OK, yeah, he's got a point there. And also during this season, the turd emoji could have been used correctly through pretty much most of it. So, And we've all been guilty of picking our nose in furious nerves and probably putting the bogeys places they shouldn't. So, uh, you know, it's all left on the table, I suppose, when we put it like that. Questions to be answered, but... Thankfully, again today, we learnt that the biggest question that was answered was whether Gareth Bale is back. And we can all agree that Gareth Bale is back in full throttle. From one 4-0 victory, let's look back at the first 4-0 victory we had this week, uh, which is when we took care of Wolfsburger, that's Wolfsburger of Austria, at the lane in a 
plush 4-0 win that saw uh, Bale actually show his true class probably for the first time uh, in a while. And Delhi was the one who grabbed the performance uh, highlights, uh, just again showing... You know that there is a tremendous player still left inside this lad's frame, and let's hope that Jose continues to coax it out of him. I think I'd like to also maybe draw attention in this particular section because we do have to run fairly quickly to the kids. It does smell like teen spirit, as Milo put in the in the notes today. It really does. Who wants to take on what Jose is doing with the youth players in the Europa League, and particularly uh, with Dane Scarlett? I'm a little bit. I suppose, less positive than others might be. I think he's giving them minor minutes in, uh, you know, the final final stages of games where we're already comfortably up. I thought, I do like the look of Scarlett. I was very happy for him to have got that assist. It, it feels like a token gesture. If, if, if Mourinho wants to get any credit for me for developing our youth, he needs to do more than just chuck them on for five minutes at the end of a, uh, you know, a game that's essentially well and truly over. Is that harsh but fair, Moby? I think, yeah, we've all got a little bit cynical, haven't we, over uh, Jose, his management to youngsters after he reeled off that list um, a year or so ago of all these players that he'd allegedly brought through and it was just absolute stat padding. So I'm slightly wary of that now. Whenever I see him bringing somebody on, you know, like Scarlett and uh, Divine a few weeks ago as well, and then he's like, yeah, I've given a 15-year-old his debut and I've now got the youngest goal scorer and he's, I've got the youngest uh, Premier League you know, appearance or the youngest Europa League appearance. So he's getting all these little records with his name next to them, which I think is quite clever. But fundamentally, you know, it's not a bad thing. Still getting them on. You know, he is using them. I think as Awesome says there, you know, is he actually developing them? Well, I do, I do think we're doing a better job. We are loaning the right youngsters to the right clubs to play in the right positions. So that's a massive improvement over, you know, what we've seen over the last couple of years. And then the level below, the youngsters below that then age-wise are actually getting getting some appearances and just at the right time where there's no risk to them. They're not going to get burned. They're not going to get beaten. They're not going to get kicked. And, you know, you saw Scarlett come on, confidence to get stuck in, set up a great goal for uh, Vinicius to score. So I think, I think he's doing a reasonable job, but it is cautious, as you would expect. He hasn't gone gung-ho on it. Ricky, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think a lot of our better youngsters at the moment from the youth setup are actually quite young. They're from quite a young age group. So that's a bit of a problem. Well, not a problem. I mean, it's good to see because they will be our future. And also Mourinho's interview, he really was blown away with his praise for Scarlett. And not just for, not obviously for the game, but just what he sees in training. Because obviously some of these young lads are now pretty much coming in with the first team and training quite regularly with them. So that's that's all great progress. And I mean, and in comparison, really, what he said about Scarlett is definitely well above what he ever said about Parrot, really. So, um, you know, they're both, they're both too young. That's a fascinating comparison, actually, because you have in Troy Parrott a player who ascended the uh, the highlights uh, publicity anyway very quickly, and he was subsequently loaned out after... You know, he had a few months with Jose, and Jose felt he was worth the loan. And you're quite right. He said more about Scarlett than he ever said about Parrott. Do, what do you think that says uh, about, about Parrott? Do you think that Jose still expects of him, or do you think he's written him off? I mean, obviously he's changed to another... He's gone to Ipswich now, so maybe the Millwall thing hasn't worked out. But, um, I mean, you've still got to have hope for Parrott. I mean, he's massively... He's very highly thought of. But I suppose we need... A, we need, like with some of the other players, we just need a loan that's going to click for them, really. So... 
You know. yeah, we just see Milo actually just dropped in uh, the notes uh, from the lounge that uh, Lambert has been sacked by Ipswich. So you'd have to assume that that means that Parrot's going to be flying elsewhere soon. I just want to go back. Lavinia was substituted on for Doherty in the 74th minute. So that's a good that's a good 20, possibly 25 minutes, give or take injury time there. I mean, I think we do have to give Jose full credit with uh, with Scarlett, to be honest. I think that you know, he seems very, very encouraging, very, very uh, appreciative and really wants to get him get him into this this setup and I think your point Ricky about the training is very important we don't know what's going on but we do know that they are in the first team training setup and I, I actually have to give him full credit there and say it's quite exciting I mean he looks very exciting to me you know and in fairness I'm not going to I'm certainly not blaming uh, Vinicius for taking that shot it was a great shot good goal but you do wonder like you know was he robbed of a debut goal there I don't know but do we think that this is the last chance saloon for Jose, the Europa League. And do we think that he is setting his sights pretty much on making that, you know, the run? This is the run. This is where all his eggs are going to go. Do we think that's the basket that everything's going in? Everything else is a setup for these games. Do we think that? I've done a bit of a U-turn. A couple of weeks ago, when it was all, you know, going going to hell, I was pretty convinced that, you know, we were toss of a coin at best in the League Cup final against Man City. And that was looking increasingly less than a 50-50. And then it was bit or bust for the Europa League. And that was a hell of a long way to go. But fast forward a couple of weeks, looking at the league table today, we were, we were way off. But we, you know, we have played a lot of tough teams and we have got a decent run now. So I think we could be back in the mix on the Premier League. And I don't think Jose is going to, uh, going to forget that. When I say the Premier League, obviously, I'm, I'm talking scraping into the top four. I'm not saying we're going to do anything more. No, so I do honestly think we're going on going on all three fronts at the moment. And I think my mood has been buoyed by the Europa League draw. I think that's good. To me, that de-risks the, you know, the League Cup. That is just toss of a coin. Like I say, we can get further in the Europa League. And then by that point onwards, we may be able to manage it. And who knows if we can go deep and far in that. And then if we can just squeeze up a few wins, two or three wins now in the Premier and we're back. We're back on the cusp of the top four again, with you know ten, ten or so games to play. So no, I think I think we're I think we're in a good position now. Amazingly, yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to give up on the league just yet because we got Palace and then we've got um, Fulham, and then even with the Gooners, we could if we turn them over, then the pitch is going to look a whole lot better straight away. I mean, obviously, other teams as well above us are going to be thinking the same, and I think some of them are very much. I think. I'm not sure which ones of them are just week to week now, i.e. they're out of the Cups. I think Villa probably are. Leicester might be, I think. So there's so much easier having to only think about one game a week. So I don't think he's given up yet. But it, and, and not only that, um, the Europa League's kind of helped us slightly with the draw being not too bad again. So um, we can just roll that forward a, like another month before we kind of have to make any kind of hard and fast decisions, really. The Europa's been really good for us as well. There was an interview with Gareth Bale after the game and actually he said, you know, the results from the Europa they've been using to give them confidence to kick on. So I think from that point of view, it's been really handy. Yeah. We shouldn't um, we shouldn't underestimate uh, Dinamo Zagreb. Obviously, I've just had a quick look, and they're on eight eight wins out of the last nine games. Obviously, they come from a theoretically weaker league, but they don't get to where they've got to in this tournament by being a bunch of mugs. And um, but you, you you always have faith in Mourinho when it comes to cups. A bit like you, Moby. I, I don't I don't think it's fifty fifty against Man City. I think it's probably more like thirty you know, 34, 66% in their favour, our chances of lifting that trophy. Yeah, in terms of the league, I don't think Mourinho's uh, given up 
giving up on top four. I don't think he can do because I think you don't want to rely, you don't want to put all your eggs in the Europa basket or, or the League Cup basket. And Levy will judge him first and foremost on how we do in the Premier League, which so far hasn't been good enough, but it can still with just less than a third of the season to go. It's st- it can be pulled out of the bag, but it's going to need a serious run of form. I agree with you on Zagreb. I don't think we should take it lightly. I think it's actually the best bit about that draw is it's going to keep us honest. Uh, And I think we need to remain honest in this uh, competition and we need to realise that every tie is a challenge. And I think Zagreb will definitely do that. I agree. I, I, I think that the health of several of our first team squad is improving to the point where you may all be right. He may well be able to fight this on two fronts. A week ago, I was convinced that the Europa League was our only bet. Obviously, you know, football being the fluid game it is and us beating Burnley 4-0 all of a sudden I can see us sneaking the top four my gut feeling is that he's going to go for this uh, he's going to go for this trophy big time as he sees it as the full on you know death or glory sort of chip because he'll come out of it with not just the trophy but he'll come out of it with with top four or not top four sorry with Champions League which Mm -hmm. I think is imperative for this club I'm going to close off this section for now and I'm going to bring us to uh, a little chat that we should have a little fun with here or maybe big fun cult heroes what makes a cult hero and we've had a fair few of them at the lane over the decades uh, i'll i'll throw in a couple just off the beginning i mean for me Aurelio gomez was uh, was a cult hero of, of some some measure sandro a close second but possibly the most fitting cult hero in the truest sense of the phrase would have to be the ginger pele gary doherty who retains an, a warm affection in my heart for the goal at old trafford in the uh, 2001 fa cup semi-final when he scored the opener with a blinding header that he knew absolutely nothing about having managed to get his big bonce in the way of stefan everson's second row or second row when i'm talking about second tier bound shot that was heading towards the corner flag and somehow bounced off Gary's massive ginger bonce and into the corner and his look of, of, of amazement that he managed to score in the semi-final is one that immediately made him my Spurs cult hero um guys it's a simple question who is your cult hero and what makes a cult hero so that was two questions actually Ricky start us off a cult hero I think in recent well in well in the let's say the last 10 years I think I've always I've always loved Benny basically Asuakoto. I've always and it's not just the um, and it wasn't just the the just a job kind of interview that football's a just shout. a job. It wasn't what just was that. Shout. He was just kind of I loved the way he just seemed to be in his own world. Just, yeah. And I think Harry said once that he'd speak to him and he wouldn't even know who we were playing half the time and that kind of thing. <laughs> and I just kind of love that because he's still That's risen. Brilliant. He's still risen to the top of the game and he's just kind of nonchalant. He's not really that bothered about you know what's going on and he's probably just lives might live most of his life in headphones maybe i don't know if he did that or l o l on twitter because i think he was probably i think we're going to go on to that about social media and whether it's just people who watch it on tv or whether it's actually people in the stadiums but i think maybe he was one of the first kind of unknowingly kind of social media cult heroes really yeah and also he was a good player I mean, I think when he first, I think when Modric first came, he had a good thing going with Modric down that left-hand side. So I think we started Modric out left. And I would even say there was an 18-month period where he was excellent as a left-back. He was really on top of his game massively. And he, he was so, and when he used to watch him live, he really knew how to use his body and get it in between other players and just marshal people and just be kind of cool and relaxed. Yeah, he was, um, he was someone I always loved in the team. 
And I think the other players probably quite liked him as well, I think, around the training ground and that. And he just, I don't know. I mean, you could, you could think he took himself seriously, but then maybe he didn't. I think maybe some of that, you know, he liked to get his hair cut down the high road and all that kind of business. So, um, no, he was one of my... Solid shout. Solid he shout. a very unspectacular car as well, didn't he? It was something like a yeah. smart car. It was, yeah. Uh, Disco Benny was the epitome of cool. And uh, I think, didn't he benefit a lot from Bale's ridiculous rise to top form? I think he was in that team around that time and Bell was probably causing so much mayhem down the left that all Benny really had to do was kind of have a half-decent game and we'd probably win more games than we'd lose. But he was good at that. He was good at just recognising what the player in front of him needed kind of thing. He just kind of backed him up and it was all kind of quite, you know, quite coolly done and that kind of thing. Yeah. Benny's hair was brilliant. Yeah. What a head of hair that man had. I mean, oh, that's a storming entry, Ricky. I'm almost a little jealous that it didn't hit me uh, myself. That's a great, did, great pick. Did he sometimes as well have the big afro completely out? I, mean, I think I remember yes, him at West Brom. Did he get time. sent off at West Brom once? And I think he oh, just had. Well, he didn't get sure sent off. For, he didn't get sent off for the Angela Davis afro. No, he got sent. <laughs> oh no, no. But he not. did. He did have that, afro. and it was brilliant because he. Oh, you're you're so right. He was. It was, and it was such a part of him as well. That's brilliant. I said, what a great shout. Great shout, great hair, smart car, great start. Moby, top that. Yeah, it's difficult to top. I think uh, I do have a bit of a problem with court heroes in that I think a big part of their essence is that they need to be shit. And I'm not a big fan of shit players. So I think I, the fact that really Ricky's got so? Benny is good because Benny's a great player. Um, so there's very few exceptions. Well, you've gone for Gary Doherty, for God's sake. So I mean, you know, <laughs> there's the epitome of shit. Um, no, uh, for me... I'm gonna. I'm, I'm just gonna reel off a couple of fullbacks that I think kind of just about straddled the line, as in they had a little bit of shit housery about them, and they were not entirely in control of their legs or their emotions. So let me let, let me toss in um, Pascal Shimbomba uh, to do a plea to you there. Uh, I think he was he was a skillful player when he could be asked. Can, can you, I think. Can he's... you please can you please prove that you can actually pronounce that name and that you were actually aping our one of our former managers? No, no, no. As far as I'm concerned, it is Shimbomba. Uh, anyone that's saying it's Chimbonda, I'm not having. Uh, <laughs> so, no, I mean, he was, he was a good player. He played on as well. I think we were looking at this uh, the other week on a bit of a random chat. And I think he was still playing at 46 years of age at some northern colliery town or something, which, which was quite impressive. Um, I love the the whole Paul Jewell Wigan thing when he allegedly walked off the uh, the pitch against Arsenal with a handwritten transfer said... request in his sock, which was magnificent. You, you said that part of the the thing has to be that a cult hero has to be shit. Are you, Often. Are you telling me that Chimbo is shit? I'm not. No, 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 no. I said it narrows the field because if you remove the ones that were just famous for being shit, then you're literally down to the great ones like Sam. <laughs> as you've said, all as fuck ones like Benny, Ricky's covered off all the really shit ones as you've done with Gary Doherty. So I'm, I'm trying to straddle all avenues, but moving slightly towards the shit, and I did allude earlier to uh, not entirely in control of their legs. Uh, can I give you Timothy Atuba? Can I just say, okay, okay, okay. So, sorry, that awesome. goal against I, Newcastle. Awesome. I know that you have to come in in a minute, but I've got to tell you, my son and I witnessed that Atuba goal like, and it was a an absolute moment of magic, especially off the back of the fact that Sir Bobby Robson had turned around and told his defenders to show him inside because he didn't have a right foot. And he was right, he didn't have a right foot. I mean, that was just the equivalent of picking up a dead horse and smacking a football with it. It could have gone anywhere. Um, 
that's all he did. Didn't he used to always uh, take ridiculous chances as well when he was uh, oh, brilliant. seemingly comfortable in possession? In his own box. Well, the bit that made him the court hero was just, for me, the way he always liked to pull a Cruyff turn and three drag backs in his own box. Uh, I think that, combined with being Bambi on ice, and then just that, that weird baseball hit smack against Newcastle, I think for me that, that ticks a few of the boxes. You've hit it. And then I'm out. Another angle of cult heroes is they have a good song, right? Whoa, ah, two, bar. I want to know how you scored that goal, right? I mean, you've got to have a good song. I'm going to get, that's going to get. Yeah, did that rule him out then? <laughs> What's that? No. Did that no, rule no. him out now then, based no, on your great, singing? It's a, great, oh, it's a great shout. It's a great shout. Awesome. That, that We're getting some good shouts and some good questions coming up off the back of these shouts, which I'll get into after you've given us your selection. I think Moby raises a good point there. Cult, cult heroes shouldn't necessarily be great players. And I actually, I looked a couple up online. I'm not going to choose this guy because Stefan Freund was such an average footballer, but he felt like a cult hero to me. But I'm not, I'm not putting that forward as my name because I'm not going to let a man like Sandro go through, who is a cult hero, without getting his name praised in this pod. For what he did against Milan over those two legs, particularly at the San Siro, he was more than a cult hero. He was a, he was a one or a two-year legend for our club who didn't get enough praise. He was surrounded by a lot of great players, but he was exactly what we needed. And I loved his, uh, I loved his charisma. I think he would have been an amazing guy to have in the dressing room. And yeah, we, we, unfortunately, his career with us was cut short by injury, but um, long, may, long may his legend remain uh, in lights at our club. But it is interesting. We're coming up with another subsect to this question, which is, do you have to be good to be a cult hero or not? I mean, I'm thinking of... There are a few other players. Jose Dominguez, I think, probably counts as a cult player, big time. Adel Tarapt probably sneaks in there as well. Another cult cult player, but maybe not a cult hero. I'm not sure. I mean, there are these players that have immense skill and for whatever reason would only bother showing it on occasional basis. So, go on, Ricky, what was that? Uh, Stefan Dalmat. Do you remember when he played? Oh, my word. Another another one. Stefan Dalmat, yes. And you'd just really be so excited if he was on the team sheet. You'd just, I don't even know how many games he played for us, but he was immensely skillful. And being a Tottenham fan in that generation, you were just grateful for anyone like that, basically, because they might kind of turn the game for us. But yeah. Yeah. And I mean, but then you've got... Didn't he get into a bit of fisticuffs as well, I think, in the dressing room? That that might be another edge to... Yeah, maybe being a little bit of a nutcase kind of gives you an edge as a cult hero as well. That might be be to the point. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting question because I'm trying to think of the modern day squad. You know, do we have anyone in the current squad that actually qualifies... As a cult hero, Danny Rose, I suppose, but he's—he's. He's, I mean, he's too. He's, I mean, he was a great player for for some time. You know, is there anyone that you? Say, I mean, I suppose, I suppose the natural one that everyone would say is Sissoko, right? But is Sissoko a cult hero? Is he our our best shot at a cult hero of this era? I'd say he is actually. It's tough though because again I, I want to go back to this your cult hero you know has has to be shit and I do certainly see that because again then Raziak is also a cult hero in a sense and, and by the way just to say about the ginger Pele you know his effort was undeniable I mean he put in amazing effort and always laid himself on the line and played in defence and attack for us so he played you know he was a, a versatile player I mean I suppose in many ways Sissoko esque but he did also score 
You're going to say it, aren't you, maybe? You're going to remind oh, me. I was going to say he's rubbish in two positions, not one. Oh, OK. I thought you were going to point out that brilliant own goal he scored. I've forgotten who he was against, but he managed to lob, lob his own keeper from like 25 yards with a deft chip at the Paxton uh, end, I remember. But one, I can't remember who it was against. And then, you know, well, Milo's putting forward some great names. Uh, Robbo, uh, David Howes, uh, Lamella, uh, Vinicius might be if fans are in the ground because he does score, but, you know, he's he's missed a couple of sitters as well. So I, I, I think it's, it's a tough one, this, isn't it? I mean, maybe the cult hero, maybe the embodiment of the Spurs cult hero actually does end up being Stefan Freund. Maybe Stefan Freund and Moussa Sissoko are like sort of the mean mm-hmm. average of what a Tottenham cult hero has been. Do we... Well, do we find any consensus with that? Well, I think in the current team, um, Hoiberg would have a chance with that because he's like them, but obviously a bit of a better player. But it's the, also the way that Hoiberg kind of puffs his chest out and walks around the pitch and he has those like little kind of... He's always having those little conversations with the ref, isn't he? <laughs> Do you know where you look at his face and you kind of think, I can't work out if he's, he's been cheeky. He's got that or... Lars von Trier Danish madness about him, hasn't he? Yes, yeah, definitely. I love a bit of that. Is, that. is that another ingredient? A little bit of it insanity? Could... A little well, bit it could be madness? as the seasons go on. As the seasons go on, we might just love him for those kind of little kind of quirks and stuff oh, I thought you meant as the seasons went on with a cult hero and you see him go a little more out of his tree you know i.e. Yeah, Benny, Benny, Benny certainly <laughs> Benny certainly uh, Benny certainly did start to express himself a little more as a bit of a nutter as times went on <laughs> didn't he which was quite yeah, brilliant didn't yeah. he get involved in a? Didn't he make a porno film? Or am I imagining that? No, that was uh, that. That was Harry Redknapp, wasn't it? Telling one of his usual uh, go-to stories afterwards. I think didn't Harry have an interview somewhere, and he said he'd asked Benny what he wanted to do after he finished playing football, and he said he was going to be a porn star. But yeah. I think Redknapp took it seriously, whereas Benny may have been slightly tongue-in-cheek with that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, when you say tongue-in-cheek, you mean sarcastic. Okay, so I think that this is uh, you know it's another topic that I think we can return to at some point, and if you know. If people are listening and they want to tweet us or they want to go on our Instagram, they want to go to any of the wonderful outlets that you can find the games about glory on with their ideas of cult heroes, we would love to hear it. And if we get enough, you know, if we hear enough different players, maybe we'll come back to this at a future date if that sounds good to you guys, because I think it's a fascinating topic. At the very least, it's a very fun one. <laughs> and it makes me think of all the great songs that we've sung over the years. I love Stefan Freund. Stefan mm. Freund loves me. So, that being said, let's wrap it up by saying uh, our next game is at the uh, very traditional time of 6pm on Thursday the 4th of March at Craven Cottage against Fulham. I suppose we should ask whether Gareth Bale can play all these games week in, week out because we've got Zagreb coming up, got Palace after Fulham. Guys, what do you think? If Bale can oh. only play two of the next three, which ones is he going to play? I wouldn't play him against Fulham. He's loving his time in the Europa League. I think he's he's a certain starter for that, but I think it's pushing it. He he didn't look 100% comfortable today in the second half, I thought, physically. So, yeah, give him give him a breather against Fulham. Because Fulham are a very tough tackling team as well. That's that's asking for trouble, I'd say. I like the idea of just getting him on the pitch, getting the game won, and then uh, taking him off, you know, with 20 minutes to go and wrapping him in cotton wool. So... I don't know. I'm. I just need my bail fix, and I think he's a match winner at the moment, and he's getting better and better. So yeah, I mean, awesome's completely right. We we do need to pick the games, but I'm, I've just gone mental. I just want a load of bail. So just get him on. 
an hour a game, get it won. I think Moby could be right there. I think there could be actually a, a tactic going forward where maybe we just blast them three from the offs. And then, because I mean, dare I mention them, I think the Gooners used to do that. Do you remember when they were in their pomp? They used to just be like 3-0 up within half hour. And we, we if we could do that a bit like today, then maybe it would give us more opportunity to... So they could play in every game, some of these players, but they would actually only be playing like an hour or something. And maybe that's where we can get more games out of them. I'm not quite sure. I'm a bit um, surprised actually today with the subs. I think any opportunity we get where I think we would include um, Kane, Son, Endembele and Hoiberg. Any chance we got to take them off, we should just be taking it, I think, when we're well ahead in a game because we just need to get rest into those players. I think they said today we've played we played 42 games, have we, I think, which is the most in the whole of Europe, I think, top five leagues. So might could catch up with us eventually. Is this a good game to start, Delhi? No, no. I think you're mistaken. I think Delhi won't be, but I don't think, I can't see Delhi starting. I think you're mistaken. I know you love him, Steph, but I think if you think of the other players that have played quite well, Lamella still deserves to start. Mora still deserves to start. When Lacelso comes back, Jose seems to love him. So I just don't think. Uh, he's still got a trust issue with Delhi when it comes to just, you know, if he contributes enough offensively, which is obviously what Bale might be showing he's doing, we're just saying, oh my God, he's got unbelievable quality. I now can't not play him because of that. I just don't think he's 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 seeing that in Delhi yet, to be honest. Yeah, no, let me frame let me frame my, my question there. I wasn't saying that I think he should start against Fulham, but what I'm wondering is if oh, you, let's yeah. say Gareth Bale, no, no, it's fine. Let's say if you don't play Gareth Bale, are we at a point in our season where we need one of these two players to start a game in order to connect the rest of the side? Because I think I that when point. we've got when you've got one of these two players in, it definitely makes a difference for the Canes and the Suns. They just can connect so much quicker, and even for for, for Tangai, he's got a, a better connect. You know, it helps things flow. So, do you think on that basis? And I throw it open to the floor if 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 Gareth doesn't start against Fulham that Delhi might get the nod on that basis. Yeah, I do get the feel that we'll be rotating those two in a way. I think you've seen a bit of that already as we've been trying to get them, you know, Delhi back on form and Bale back on fitness. You've seen a little bit of alternation going on. But but the key thing for me is we've been predictable by having just Kane and Son. You've just got those two playing off each other. You've got a very kind of lateral relationship between the two. If we've suddenly got three up there that the opposition's got to worry about, you could instantly increase the amount of options that you've got between you know three players to go to you know, two players to go to one other. So there's lots of different ways that we can attack and break teams down. So I don't think you need to go Delhi and Bale yet. I don't think you will start with both of them um, until they're both maybe a level on. If you look at how he's how he's done it with Ndombele, you know, sort of just gradually bringing him in, eased him into the number 10 role till he could trust him. Now he's doing a good job. He's eased him back into the uh, into the six or the eight role. So I think, you know, he's, he, yeah, Jose does give me confidence now that he is managing these situations properly. But I think, yeah, if you keep going with those, we've got enough options in that squad now up front. And if you take those three out, we've still got, as you say, Lucas, Lamella, Bergvine, and Vinicius, we've got big guns that we can bring That's on and a great rotate. point we haven't even mentioned Steven Bergwijn and he was a fixture of this side for some time and what's critical right now is I think as well is that we're starting to see goals coming from more than just Kane and Son on a semi-regular basis that's starting to ramp up and I think that that is vital and you are correct if we can get Bergwijn and Lamella on the score sheet a little more often suddenly we're seeing a much fairer share of the goals coming and no drop-off from Harry Kane who once again scored a belter earlier today okay i i think i'm just going to move straight through and say that we have crystal palace at the lane on sunday evening 715 gmt you know another vital game uh we'll just leave it at that we know what we need to do in these games we need to keep winning uh i think we've discussed in some detail in the last hour that we managed to find 
a good way of doing that now with players coming to fitness and that the fitness and health of these players is helping Jose make the decisions tactically that he needs to make. And uh, let's, you know, let's hope that on the next pod we're discussing more joyous, uh, joyous football between us all. Before we go, guys, I do just want to mention uh, a bit of sad news in the football world today. Um, Glenn Roder, the uh, QPR West Ham, Newcastle Orient, Watford and Gillingham servant uh, passed away today at 65 after a long illness. Uh, he skipped a QPR in the 1982 Cup final against us, a match I was delighted that we won, but in all fairness, QPR battered us for the entire match. So, you know, he was a, a young man then, and uh, I think probably in a Spurs way, he was critical in keeping Paul Gascoigne on a tether as much as anyone could keep Gaza on a tether for many years um, and was a quiet uh, and, and studious and loyal friend of his and I think generally within football circles he's recognised as a, as, as a thoroughly decent man and, uh, and, and and quite a player as well a really smooth uh, transitional centre-half he was sort of Hanson-esque actually I always thought of him as but a uh, really sad loss and so uh, our, our condolences to his family and, and friends and with that, I'm going to say thanks very much, guys. See you later. Thanks for being here. See you later, Seth. We'll be back later this week with the first of a series of special monthly update episodes where we'll be looking back in detail at what went on in said month. Einstein's out there will have figured that this month's pod is going to look back at the month of February in Tottenham Hotspur's recent history. So please keep your eye open for that. It's going to be hitting you very, very soon. And of course, normal, if that's what you call this wanker chat service, will continue next week uh, where we will discuss Fulham and Palace. Don't forget, if you like this pod, please help us spread the word by telling your mates, leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and by saying nice things about us on Twitter or wherever you hang out online. You can find us on Twitter at Glory Glory Forum and on Instagram at The Game Is About Glory, all one word. Please give us a follow. Say hello, spread the word, spread it far and wide. And as always, thanks for joining us. See you next week.